Welcome to Powwow Live Podcast from powwows.com, connecting you with native culture since 1996. Here's your host, Paul Gowder. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Powwow Live Podcast. I'm Paul Gowder, founder of powwows.com. Thank you for listening. On today's episode, I have an interview with model, actress, act, activist, Ashley Collingbull. Recently, she was chosen as the first indigenous model to appear in the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Issue. I can't wait for you to hear this interview. It's one of the favorite interviews I've done. Uh, she really gets personal and reveals a lot about her life and her struggles. And I'm so excited for you to hear this interview. But first, I do have a couple of announcements. If you're new, powwows.com is your place to come and explore, learn, connect, and experience Native American culture. We're open to everybody, and I hope this will become your jumping-off point to really learn more about Native culture. This is it, though. This is the week of Gathering of Nations, waited since 2019 to finally go back to Albuquerque in person and be back in the arena at the largest powwow. I'm flying out tomorrow. Cannot wait to finally be there. Don't miss any of our coverage of the Gathering of Nations powwow. Head over to powwows.com slash 2022-G-O-N. We'll be streaming live all weekend. I'll have posts going up on Facebook and photos and videos. Uh, We'll have some hopefully special interviews coming to you. So stay tuned for all of that. powwows.com slash 2022-G-O-N. Also, we're giving away five Pendleton blankets at the end of the month, thanks to our friends over at Pendleton. Be sure to enter daily. You'll only have a few days left to enter. Powwows.com slash win will get you into that contest. Good luck, and don't forget to listen and look for bonus codes all over the website. I'll be posting them here in the podcast later in the episode. We'll be posting them during the live stream with Gathering of Nations. They're also in the newsletter on the website. Look for those to get extra entries. Good luck. Also, stay tuned at the end of the episode. I'll have this week's trivia question where you can win a prize pack of powwows.com stickers. Special shout out to the folks over at our Patreon. Thank you so much for being part of our Patreon community. Powwownation.com will get you into that community. It is the booster club of powwows.com. These are folks that are making a contribution each month that really help us move forward with what we're trying to do here at powwows.com. So a special thanks go out to some of our new subscribers, Beth Ann, Eleanor, Jean, Jackie, Joseph, and Catherine. And of course, thanks to our longtime subscribers, Robert, Roger, Dr. Danette, Denise, and Chuck. Thank you all for being part of that that Patreon group. We've got some really cool things going on on Patreon. I'd love for you to come be a part of it. We're having monthly Zoom calls where we all get together and talk and get to meet each other and actually see each other on the Zoom. I've got some other really cool announcements coming for our Patreon in May. So look forward to that. I'd love for you to be part of that community. Head over to powwownation.com to learn more. Now let's get to the interview with Ashley Collingbull. She's a Cree First Nations woman and Enoch Cree nation in the, from the province of Canada. She's been devoted to her culture and, pe- and people. She takes pride in her Cree heritage 
and she's shown that through her volunteer work in the community with her elders and the youth. She's an actress, model, jingle dress dancer, and activist. She won Mrs. Universe in 2015. She's been an actress on the award-winning show Blackstone, 8th Fire Series, Catch the Dream, and she was a contestant on Amazing Race Canada. She's done TED Talks. She's spoken at Harvard University. She's won numerous awards and been recognized all over the world. She's a spokesperson and model for big-name brands and just recently was chosen by Sports Illustrated to be the first indigenous model to be in their swimsuit issue that comes out later this summer. Here is my interview with Ashley Collingbull. so much for being here. I'm really excited to, to be able to interview you and spend a few minutes getting to know you a little bit better. You don't need an introduction, but if you would, for, for anybody out there who hasn't seen you out there on social media, would you mind introducing yourself and, and tell us where you're from? Um, Tanse, my name is Ashley Collingbull. I'm from Enoch Queen Nation, which is in Treaty 6 territory. I'm an actress, model, and motivational speaker. Thank you. Um, now, over the years, you know, I've followed you for, for a few years now. And Powell's.com, we've covered some of the things you've done. The latest being pretty exciting, first indigenous woman to be in the, the swimsuit issue. So let's talk about that first. Um, how did that come about? Well, basically, I applied. <laughs> you know, I, I applied. And, you know, it was something I always wanted to do. But every year I was already doing something. And this is the one year where I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I'm going to go for it. I'm like, this is it. And, you know, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And thousands of women applied. And that's something that I didn't know. And, you know, when I got the call, I was, you know, obviously crying in bed because it was 6 a.m. when I got the call. And I just like I couldn't believe it. And still to this day, it's like I'm still kind of like in shock, you know, because they've officially announced it that I'm the first like indigenous First Nations woman to ever be in the magazine. So that's just like a pretty... I guess momentous occasion in my life. <laughs> yeah, so super, exciting. super exciting. And, and you know, I think over the years, people have seen the Sports Illustrated stuff, whether it's you know some of the behind the scenes stuff or, or some of the models. Yeah. So, what was it like to actually be on the set? And you know, seeing some of the, I'm always intrigued by the the behind the scenes stuff as a photographer and all that. So, whenever I see that, I'm always interested in all the work that goes into that. So, what was it like being there on the set? It was a whirlwind because I got there and, you know, obviously I saw all the uh, bathing suits and it wasn't like a typical modeling job. Usually when you go to a modeling job, they tell you what to wear, tell you how to be and whatnot. When I got there, 
they were so welcoming and they said, you know, we want you to pick anything that you want to wear. We want you to feel comfortable. We want you to feel confident, you know, what you're wearing and how you represent yourself, like just be the best version of yourself. And that's nice because you don't have to change for nobody. And, you know, with Sports Illustrated, they just kind of like want to amplify my voice. And when I got on set, it was, I was like, oh my God, like, this is really happening. This is what it's really like for them. And so many people, because it was spring break of all times, we're doing this shoot on the beach in the Dominican Republic. And there's all these people coming around the beach, like what's going on, you know, have everything set up like a full production crew. And everyone's like trying to take pictures, security saying no photos, no one can see this. And I'm just like, the army is around. And, and I'm like, what is going on? Like, this is just like, this is real. Like this is real life. And then something crazy happened because like the news came out that I was there doing the shoot there was a couple that was from Saskatchewan and I knew they were from Saskatchewan because they had Saskatchewan shirts on (laughs) in the Dominican Republic. And they looked at me and they were staring at me and the wife was really staring at me. And she's like looking at me, getting closer. And I'm just standing there like minding my business. I'm not saying anything. And then she's like, Oh my God, you Ashley calling. I just saw you in the news. She's like, you're shooting sports illustrated here. And I was like, but it was just like so surreal because then I was like, okay, I got my uh, fellow Canadians here cheering me on. And that felt nice. And it was just crazy. Like how big of an impact it's had and like how far of a reach it's had. So it's just, it's been really surreal, honestly. So surreal. That's very cool. Now over the years, you've had lots of opportunities um, and you've never been afraid to use your platform and and to use these opportunities to really speak out on issues. So why do you feel that that has been important to you? And, and what are some of those causes that have caused you to kind of, you know, come out and, and make statements? Well, you know, I've lived a really hard life growing up. You know, a lot of people say um, indigenous people are going through this and going through that. And, you know, only certain people should speak on it. And I feel like I've lived through poverty. I've lived through abuse. I'm like a product of intergenerational trauma. But, you know, I want everyone to know that that cycle ends with me you know, it ends here. Like, I'm not going to be carrying that out onto the next generation. And, you know, being able to have like this platform to be able to have this voice and this reach in my mind, I'm thinking it's so important to educate everyone anywhere in the world. It doesn't matter where you are because, you know, in Canada and in the States, you know, indigenous people are very neglected or always put on the back burner. And I don't think people realize like how hard we actually have it. And like a lot of the topics I talk about are things that, you know, people have been talking about for years, but because I have such a public platform, people are finally listening, you know, and I said it was sad that it took almost like for a beauty queen for people to listen, you know, it took that shock and awe, you know what I mean? But, you know, a lot of things I talked about was murdered and missing indigenous women, how it's a huge issue, not just in Canada, but in the U.S. You know, it's scary to be an indigenous woman in this country because like, automatically you're seen as a target and seen as your less is life than valuable as some like less than valuable as someone else's life, you know? And that's what really, um, that's what triggers me is that people don't see our lives of value. And another thing I talked about is I work with a lot of kids who are in care. So it's sad when kids in care tell me, you know, these are the new residential schools. And I'm like, that is 
that's terrifying. You know, our people don't even have access to clean drinking water. A lot of our people are living in third world poverty, you know, and my cook always told me the one thing that, you know, I should really talk about is that, you know, the only way mother earth can take care of us is if we take care of her and, you know, and fighting for our environment, fighting for our lands and our water, like that's really important to carry on to the next generation. You know, there's so many things that I've addressed, you know, throughout all these years and things that I've done. And, you know, I'm happy to say these things and, you know, but it does come with a lot of criticism. It comes with criticism from people who are really ignorant or negative or or think that, you know, we are the stereotype. And that's what I'm trying to break is that I'm trying to break these stereotypes that I'm not that person, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. And I'm just like an, an indigenous woman really trying to thrive and like break glass ceilings. But most importantly, I'm trying to, you know, push that glass aside so other Indigenous people can walk through and be in these spaces as well. So for me, everything that I do, I know that it has a ripple effect and it's up to me if I want it to be positive or not. So for me, I always think about what kind of legacy I'm leaving behind and who I'm going to be uplifting along the way. I can talk forever. I'm sorry. No, it's great. I love the ripple effect analogy too. And and I think that is something that when you do have... like you said, it's sad that it took you to hit a um, status of a stardom or whatever before people listen to you. Because it's not that the message has not been said before. It's now that somebody in your position is here is saying it. So people are listening. It's yeah. it's unfortunate. Um, but I'm glad that you are able to take that opportunity and really seize on it. Um, I've heard you speak to about, you know, you, you did have a, a tough upbringing and it was it was hard to find your identity and, and to, you know, find yourself as a native woman. So can you speak to that a little bit and, and how you have been able to, to really come into your own that way? You know, growing up, um, I lived with my grandparents and my single mother, you know, I grew up, we grew up very traditional, very spiritual. Like my grandparents were a medicine man and medicine woman. And it wasn't until, you know, me and my mom, we moved away. And that's when the situation happened where, you know, we were living in abuse and living through poverty and, that really messed with my mental health and my self-esteem, how I felt about myself because, you know, my abuser, his parents were abused in residential school and then he was abused and what he learned from them, it passed on to me. And, you know, I really, I took that hard because, you know, my abuser told me that no one's ever going to love me. No one's ever going to think that I'm worthy of anything. Like no one's ever going to care what I have to say. And when you hear things like that over and over, like you, you believe it, right? It really messes with you. And for years, this is something that I endured. And it wasn't until we escaped, we went back to the reserve that I'm originally from, which is Enoch. And, you know, my cook was telling me that the one way that I can like really heal myself is, you know, I really do need to stay on the red road. I need to stay away from drugs and alcohol because, you know, she's a residential school survivor as along with my mission. And she told me, you know, putting those negative toxins into your body, it just like gets your spirit further and further disconnected away from you. And she told me that's how you get lost. And, you know, that's how you make bad decisions. And that's how you end up on the wrong path. And, you know, I didn't want to be like a stereotype like everyone else. You know, I felt like I didn't want to prove to my abuser and everyone around me that they were wrong. I wanted to prove to myself that, you know, I am worthwhile, that I can do things and that, you know, I should love myself. And honestly, you know, going through all the things that I went through and having to go to court and go to therapists, 
going to therapy never worked for me. I realized that my therapy was actually at home in the sweat lodge and ceremonies. And my cook told me that she said, you know, your healing is here. You know, our culture is our strength, you know, resiliency runs in our blood. And she told me that my culture will always be there for me. She said, I can go into sweat, cry, pray, do whatever I need to do. But she said that I need to let go of the pain in the past, let go of things that I can't control. And, you know, once I did that, I realized that I can't let those things control my future. Right. So, you know, it's something that unfortunately happens to me, but I've learned and I've grown from it. And I thought, what can I do to, you know, focus on what's best for me and all my happiness, you know, pushing myself into my culture, that saving my life, staying on the red road, it helped me find myself. And it really made me realize that, you know, I am strong, you know, my culture is what makes me beautiful and it gives me strength. And, you know, I feel like now I have no limits. I feel like I'm a woman who's like on a mission. You know, I went from being this little insecure girl that had no dreams to being this young woman that's like doing so much. And like, I'm trying to open the door for other young women who may be going through the same things and the same feelings that I went through. So it's, it's almost like, um, my life is coming full circle now because I'm working with a lot of girls who are like the younger version of myself. So it's, uh, honestly, it's like truly remarkable to, to see the change that I can create if I stay on the right path and then, you know, encourage others as well. So my culture has hundred percent saved my life. Yeah, the uh, what you have to say about therapy, traditional therapy may not work for everybody, and so you finding it back in your into your culture that's um, that's awesome. You really go back home, and that's where it is. Um, and I'm always fascinated to hear you know how people the path that people took to get here. You know, growing up in, in Canada and, and coming off the reserve, what inspired you to get involved in pageants? You know, how did that happen? I actually was never going to, <laughs> you know, like a lot of people um, were encouraging me and I'm like, eh, it's not really my thing. You know, I was just like a typical res girl and a science fair geek. Like it was not in the stars for me, not something I ever imagined. And I literally just watched Miss Congeniality. And that's all I knew <laughs> oh, about that. But my friend, she actually encouraged me. She said, you know, a lot of girls, and this was back in the day, um, are doing pageants really for self gain, you know, just to like move forward in their career. She said, there's no girls that are using pageants in a way that you're, you know, doing the work that you're doing. And when I was 14, after my sister passed, like I realized my path was like to really, for me to heal myself, if that makes sense. Like my cook, I'm always said it was a healing journey, like everything that I've gone through. And she said, in order to like help, heal yourself like it's important to help others heal as well so after my sister passed I started volunteering at the hospital she was cared for at and I kind of like wouldn't leave I was like always <laughs> there and I realized that like being around people and creating connections and working with people was really like uh it was really good for me but it was good for others too and then I just started volunteering all these different organizations that have like personally affected me in some way, like, you know, the cancer association, because my mom, she's a two time cancer survivor. And then um, the pulmonary fibrosis foundation, you know, the lung association, these are things that have like affected my family. And then I realized, you know, the people that suffer the most in our country are our own people. So I, that's when I started really like going hard and working with a lot of indigenous youth. And my friend said, why don't you use, 
all this work that you're doing and like amplify it on a larger scale because, you know, no one else is doing that. You know, you go to this pageant and you can win money, you get sponsors, like you're raising money, whatever you want to do for yourself. And I thought like, well, why not instead of like getting there? Because, you know, when you're an ambassador or a role model, like it's always bigger than you. Like there's so many eyes on you and it's not just about like self-gain for me. I'm like, well, who am I going to amplify? Who am I going to help? Because as an ambassador and as a leader, like you want someone that is respectable and relatable and someone that's like actually doing the work. And for me, I thought, well, this is a perfect position to, you know, raise funds and awareness for for all the charities that I've been volunteering for and doing, you know, all these things for. And I'm like, this is like a perfect, uh, combination instead of just going and being like hey I'm Ashley and then you know going <laughs> home you know it was about like no hi like I'm Ashley I'm like this is what I stand for this is what I believe in would you like to help I'm like these are the people that really need help so for me it was about like bringing a lot of people along with me and then once I got into that world it was just like uh, a completely different world I was not prepared for and now that I know the world I'm <laughs> in the pageant world anyways I'm able to help other women get comfortable in those spaces so it's been quite the transition <laughs> <laughs> and i imagine there there isn't a lot of uh, indigenous or first nation people really participating in pageants especially you know when you first got started so what was the reaction with the other contestants um you know how did that how did that all work out it wasn't very good for me um you know my first pageant i joined uh i experienced a lot of discrimination um from girls and also from the media, it was extremely tough for me because, you know, I'm joining this world and I didn't know how to get sponsors. I didn't know how to go about it. So I literally brought my own regalia. I had indigenous designers like help me and whatnot. And everyone could see that, you know, I was proudly like indigenous plains Cree. And when I got there, you know, right away, the comments start with, you know, you don't belong here. You don't fit in, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, I'm just here being the best version of myself. You can either accept it or, or whatever. I'm like, it's not going to phase me. But it was when I was feeling really good. I was feeling really positive. And I thought, you know, I'm the only Indigenous woman here. Like, this is just, it, it's remarkable, right? Like, and it's kind of crazy. And I remember it was 2010 the media in Toronto wrote an article about me as a joke. And in 2010, this was okay, but now this would not be okay. Like it was never okay to be printed, but they wrote a joke about me. They said, there's an indigenous woman competing this year. I wonder what she's going to do for a talent. Is she going to chug Lysol or sign welfare checks with her toes? And wow. Reading that in the paper and my name next to it, I was like, you know, like, how dare they? How could they? I'm like, it's so ignorant, racist. Like, it was upsetting. And it like, hurt, right? Because like, how, how, you know, like, that's so hurtful. And right away, the media reached out all different media outlets. So like, how mad are you, Ashley? Tell us how mad you are. And they wanted like that angry Indian response. And that's not what I was going to give them. You know, I said, you know, I feel, I feel bad for this person. I was like, they're so uneducated and so ignorant and have honestly no idea what they're talking about. It's like, if they want to get to know me, I was like, they can come to the show on Saturday and see what I'm all about. And then that Saturday, the craziest thing happened. You know, I was standing there in the top five and I was wearing 
had native designers like evening gown. So I'm standing in top five. I look to my right. The four other girls are wearing beautiful ball gowns. And they all kind of looked at me. And I remember thinking like, you know, don't doubt yourself. Like you belong here because I was looked at like I didn't belong. I mean, I stuck out like a sore thumb and I knew it was going to be hard because everyone was making fun of me for that article. And everyone like was like, that's who she is, you know? And that was, that sucked. And, you know, my mom was the only one who could afford to come to the show. So I just had the one fan (laughs) and uh, out of nowhere, I'm standing in the top five and they asked, uh, who do you want to win? And I started hearing my name. And then the craziest thing was, um, it's so emotional thinking about it because it was like something I'll honestly never forget. And I was standing there on stage and I thought I was going crazy because I started hearing drums and I was like, what? And then I started hearing women like singing and I was like, I think I'm going to faint. <laughs> I was like, I must be going crazy. And it was just so bright. That I couldn't see. Finally, like the lights came down a little bit and I saw so many natives that came and after the show, they all came up to me and they were like, we saw that article. We came from all different reserves from around Toronto to come and support you. They're like, we want you to know that you're never alone. People are always there for you. And I was, and that's something I never forgot. That's something I'll never forget is like, you know, my people are always there for me. They're always like got my back. And you know, that night, um, I became like the first indigenous woman to like be picked as Miss Canada to go and represent like around the world. And that was, and my people were there. So, ah, oh, they got me all crying here. James. What an awesome story though. That, that's amazing. So amazing. Oh, I love hearing that. So, um, as you were coming up through the pageants and stuff, I mean, who were you looking to? Or did you have role models at that point? I mean, you were kind of trendsetting. Setting Nobody. The so for me, like I used to watch Miss Universe and whatnot when I was a kid and watch it online. And like, I obviously, I like, I idolized like Miss Venezuela, the Philippines, mm-hmm. like, you know, those are girls that I really liked and, you know, girls that kind of look similar to myself, but there was no girls that were like me. So, you know, coming into the pageant system and being the only one, it was really hard. But, you know, my first pageant, the one I was just talking about, I actually went to perform a song and like I was going to sing. I sang my Mushrooms Round Dance song and then I asked, I actually reached out to Buffy St. Marie and after everything that was happening and I asked her if I could sing her song and, you know, because she was a huge idol of mine, like still is. I thought like she's someone like I want to like be like you know I don't ever think I'll be like Buffy you know sing and whatnot but you know just everything that she carries and everything that she stands for and how powerful she is that is what I that is what I really respect and when I reached out to her you know I said oh can I you know everything that I was going through at the time and you know I never thought she would reach out back to me but she did and uh, she told me, you know, how proud she was and how amazing it is. And she gave me all these words of encouragement. And that's honestly like what I needed. And it just like lit a fire under my ass. And I was like, oh my God, like Buffy, like my hero, she's telling me to go kick some ass. <laughs> and I'm like, and she's the most badass chick ever. I don't know if I'm allowed to say the word, but um, <laughs> it's all good. I, okay. But uh, 
yeah, that like, that's how I know now, like what type of impact you can have on like another woman, like empowering another woman. So when I'm working with like these girls now, when I reach out and they say things back, like, Oh my God, I can't believe you responded. Or I can't believe like you're actually taking the time. I'm like, that's how I felt with Buffy. You know, that's, I was just like, Oh my God, like starstruck and like so happy and so thankful. So now I'm in this position where I can like help other women and, you know, help them be in this space and get them ready. So it's just like, it's amazing what words of encouragement can do, especially like from people that you really idolize. And Buffy was not in the pageant world, but she was someone I really idolized. And she was in like, you know, mainstream has been on the public stage, you know? So for me, having her support, like really helped me a lot. And it made me realize, you know, this is a space that I belong in. Love that. Uh, you know, I've talked to a lot of people that, like you did, as they were coming up, you know, you were kind of setting your own direction. And there were just a handful of people when, you know, Buffy or other people that you could find in mainstream um, areas. But now we have people like you in, in pageants and Amazing Race and now Sports Illustrated. And, and now we've got TV shows with, with actual Indigenous people in Indigenous roles, which is just mind-blowing, right? So, you know, representation does matter. And, and it, I can't imagine what we're going to see 10 years from now because of all the representation like, you know, like you guys that are really out there for young women and young men to kind of see a path. So what is it that you, you would like to say to those young women out there that are looking to you um, as that role model? What's your message to them? Well, you know, coming, I was in the same same place that they were, I realized that over time I needed to love and appreciate myself for the way that I was created, you know, because creator made me this way for a reason. And I also needed to realize I should never set limits for myself. You should always have this mentality of like, why not? Well, why can't I? You know, the only person that's stopping you is you. So for me, the lifestyle that I live now is that I love myself and I live fearlessly. I never let fear stop me from chasing my dreams, no matter how big or small or what anyone says. I'm like, if it feels right in my heart, like you're on the right path. So for me, it's all about empowering the next generation as well. And, you know, I want to tell the youth or whoever is listening is that the one thing I learned from my cook was that you're a role model, whether you know it or not, there is always someone watching you. And it doesn't matter who, there is always someone watching you and thinking, you know, like, wow, look what they're doing. Maybe I can do it too, you know, so that representation goes so far. That's why it's so important. Yeah, you never know who's watching. You never know how that's going to affect. And, and like you said earlier, you never know what those ripples are going to be from, yes. that, from that one Instagram message or whatever that, that you do. Um, that's awesome. Um, all right. So Sports Illustrated, I mean, you've done all this stuff. What's next now? What, what's your next project? Where are we going to see you now? Oh, my goodness. There's a lot going on that I'm legally not allowed to say. <laughs> okay, but, yeah. um, <laughs> but but I am legally allowed to say um, I do have a jewelry collection coming out, too. One is coming out in June for Indigenous History Month, and the funds will be going back to Indigenous women in programs with the Native Women Association of Canada. So that's exciting. And then I have the official Ashley Calling Bowl jewelry collection. Oh, I can't wait for you guys to see it. I've incorporated with an all Indigenous team, all Indigenous designers, like clothing, everything. So it's just going to like basically scream like pride, I think. 
for me. And um, yeah, that's coming out in September. And again, like the funds that we're raising is going back to Indigenous women's programs in Canada, which is amazing. And um, I'm actually working on my first book. I just signed a book deal with HarperCollins Publishing. And that's like really major. I didn't realize how major that was. (laughs) But um, that will be coming out in fall 2023. And um, it's basically like a memoir of uh, my life and all the things that people don't know and all the struggles, you know, because people do judge a book by its cover. A lot of people will look at me now and say like, Oh, she probably got everything easily handed to her. And I'm like, no, I've been hustling for years. You know, a lot of people think the success and the things I have now, they're like, Oh, that was easy. I'm like, no, I've been doing this for a long time, (laughs) but um, I'm also doing a hosting things. I can't say what the TV show is yet, but eventually I can say, and you will see me in sports on the television for the CFL. That's all I can say. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, geez. There's so many things that I'm doing like, uh, and obviously sports illustrated this summer um, that will be coming out. They will be announcing who the rookie is on August 1st. So pray it's me that I get the cover, you know, that will be like history in the making as well. Uh, there's actually a lot of things that I'm doing, uh, even like all my keynotes and things that I do with women and whatnot. So my life is pretty jam packed till next year, but you know, I'm excited. And I'm also coaching girls right now for pageants on the side, which is pretty fun. It's not something that I get paid to do. It's just something that I'm like doing, you know, because like I was saying before in our talk, I've never had anyone that helped me. So now I'm, now I'm that person like helping other girls. So yeah, my life is a jam packed busy. I can't legally say a lot of things, unfortunately. I understand. Yeah. (laughs) When I I can, they'll announce it first. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I know NDAs are are rough to work around. Yeah. I know. I don't want to lose my job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I got it. Um, All right. One final question. Who are you wearing today? I love the pattern. Oh, I'm wearing Osa Mesquesa. She's a Cree designer. Mm-hmm. It's like a full-on dress. And these are her earrings as well that she made. Yeah. I love repping uh, Native designers. There's so much talent in Indian country that you don't even see. And it's just... Uh, and seeing some of our people now, they're going to be in New York Fashion Week. And I'm going to be modeling in New York Fashion Week for some of these designers. So it's just... That's something I'm really looking forward to, like indigenous fashion. Gotta love it. It's it's all and then to see it hit mainstream and uh, yes. I, I loved it. Um, I don't know if you watched Rutherford Falls on Peacock, but to see um, um, them put in in some of the clothing, beadwork, and everything, it was oh so cool to see all that hit mainstream and and uh, yeah, it's gonna be fun now that they're hitting some of the fashion too. It's I think it's really gonna take off. We're gonna see it all over the place now. Changing, but finally. Yes. Finally, you know, and it it really amazes me. I'm like, I wonder what things will look like in 10 years. You know, it's never know anything is possible. Yeah. I mean, the summer we're going to have young girls seeing you in Sports Illustrated and seeing now that, wow, that's possible. I can do that. So that's fantastic. Well, thank you for spending a few minutes with me. Uh, Can't wait to follow along uh, as as your jewelry comes out and everything else. It's going to be great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it.
Thanks again to Ashley for spending a few minutes with us here on the Powwow Life podcast. All right, so I promised you a couple things at the beginning of the episode. One, a bonus code for our Pendleton Blanket Giveaway. Again, thanks to Pendleton for sponsoring this contest. We've got five Pendletons we're giving away at the end of the month. Powwows.com slash win. Here's your bonus code that is only available to those of you listening to the podcast. The bonus code is 75246. Take that over to powwows.com slash win. Enter it where it asks for a bonus code and you'll get 25 extra entries into the contest exclusive just for you. 75246. Good luck. All right, so I also promised you a trivia question again this week. And this is one, of course, it's timely. It's it's Gathering of Nations Week. I fly out tomorrow heading back to Albuquerque. So here's this week's trivia question. What year was Gathering of Nations founded? What was the first year Gathering of Nations was held? Head on over to powwowlife.com. We've got a form there where you can fill out, and I'll draw from all the correct entries, and you'll win a pack of stickers from our powwow shop. Good luck. And look forward to seeing you on our live streams this weekend. Powwows.com slash 2022GON. Don't miss any of the live action. But if you do, of course, we'll have it for replays and you'll be able to watch it later. But you want to watch it live. We're going to have two live streams going, the Powwow and Stage 49. It's going to be amazing. I cannot wait to be back. All right. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Powwow Life podcast. Again, I'm Paul Gowder. I am the founder of Powwells.com, and I really appreciate you being part of our community here at Powwells.com. Thanks for all your support. I really appreciate you being here. Have a great week, and I'm off to gathering. Thanks for listening to the Powwell Life podcast from Powwells.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to get notified of our next episode. Find a powwow near you by visiting www.powwows.com forward slash calendar. Support powwows.com by visiting www.powwownation.com. Here's this week's trivia question. You can head over to powwowlife.com to fill out the form and submit your answer. All the right answers are entered into a drawing for a 10-sticker powwows.com sticker pack. Here's the question. This year, we are celebrating a big milestone. We have been live streaming for a number of years. So tell me, what year was the first year we streamed and what was the first powwow we streamed? If you've been listening or following our content, you should be able to find it. Good luck. Powwowlife.com to submit your answer. What was the first powwow and what year did we first live stream? Good luck and thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next week.